Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, go to PCAPaintEd.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all you non-members out there, sign up for our free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the Apple Store and Google Play. In today's podcast, we feature an episode of Contractor Evolution from Breakthrough Academy. In this episode, Benji talks with Fife Baraclaw about the definition of mental fitness and when a contractor would need to be concerned about it and the common saboteurs that plague entrepreneurs specifically and examples of what they look like in the workplace. Hey everyone, welcome back to Contractor Evolution. Okay, physical fitness is obviously an essential thing to have if you need to exert yourself intensely. If you rolled into a multi-day hike with tons of vertical and a 50-pound pack on your back after six months on the couch eating Doritos, you're probably not gonna have the best time, right? Uh, If you go try and squat two plates at the gym with no prior training and no warm-up, not only is it gonna suck, but you can actually do some pretty serious damage to yourself. I won't belabor the point because I think it's pretty intuitive. Physical fitness is good if you're asking a lot of your body. But what if you're asking a lot of your mind? How many stressful situations do you encounter in your business in a single day, let alone an entire week? How many tough judgment calls do you need to make where the stakes are high? How often is your intense focus demanded of you even though your batteries are drained? In its simplest form, mental fitness is your capacity to handle life's challenges with a positive rather than negative mindset. Easier said than done. As an entrepreneur, this is a muscle you need to have healthy and strong. Muscle's the right word for it too because it's something that you can strengthen with training or you can let waste away. To explore this topic, I'm excited to have Fife Baraclaw on the show. Fife is a performance coach for entrepreneurs with a mental fitness specialization. Mental fitness is a heavily researched framework based on psychology and neuroscience and it's gaining a ton of traction in high-performing companies like Google, Facebook, Amex and Microsoft, just to name a few. Fife has a background in residential painting and also currently owns a commercial duct cleaning company. He has an intimate understanding of the day-to-day challenges that we all face. In today's episode, we're going to dispel some common myths around negative emotions and their ability to sustain motivation over the long term. We'll talk about the nine ways most entrepreneurs self-sabotage and make challenges even worse for themselves. Uh, And lastly, we'll talk about the difference between insight and actual mental muscle. FYI, there is a great intro to mental fitness PDF available for download. Within it, you can access a free saboteur assessment. Uh, So please click the link in the description in the description to get those two things. Let's dive in with Fife. You're watching Contractor Evolution, where we unpack the systems, tactics, and skills you need to take your fast-growing contracting business to the next level. You're here to learn what it takes to scale up, work less, and increase profitability. You've come to the right place. Stay tuned to learn what separates the new breed of contractor from the old school, and welcome to your ultimate guide on the business of contracting. Fife, welcome to Contractor Evolution. I'm excited to have you. You're a friend of mine and now a friend of the show. What is mental fitness and why does it matter? Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so mental fitness at its essence is your capacity to handle life's challenges with a positive rather than a negative mindset. 
in a sentence. That's it. It's that's just it. like simple. Right. Okay. Um, and why does it matter? It's at the root of so much of personal and professional development, um, stress management, conflict management, emotional intelligence, um, managing people, leadership. It's really kind of at the root of all of those things. Yeah, it really is. Cause like, um, it's, you say, you said it well, it's like, it's your ability to over like, um, uh, like, like deal, deal with stressful situations in, in a positive manner and sort of work through those in a more productive way for those, like for our listeners, like stressful situations abound, they're everywhere. Um, I think if you're doing anything like of meaning or importance in this, in this life, you're, you're going to you're going to confront this stuff. It's the reality of it. It's not, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's not all meditation retreats and yoga sessions. It's not all Zen and Kumbaya. There's lots and lots and lots of moments in the day, days in the week, months in the year. Like there's seasons to this too, where you just, yeah, it's kind of hard. Things are stressful. Things are difficult. They're not the way that you drew it up on the whiteboard. Obstacles crop up. Um, Unexpected things kind of come out of nowhere and sideline you or your business. So, in essence, it's your ability to deal with that stuff more productively. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, a, a really great way to kind of draw a parallel so it makes sense too is uh, looking at physical fitness. Mm-hmm. So when you think of physical fitness, most people are of average physical fitness. They can do average tasks, um, go for a walk, go for a jog, that kind of thing. But if I was to ask you, it's like, Benji, we're going to do an ultra marathon tomorrow. I'd be like, no, bro. Yeah, absolutely not. Are you nuts? Yeah. Wouldn't happen. No. Um, our conditioning. We could our, start it. We could try. It would be so bad, man. Yeah. A lot I'd, of pain, a lot of suffering. <laughs> Whereas the Gatorade stop, it would not be good. Yeah. My body's not built for it. No. And nor is it ready. No. But that's, so that's part of it is it's not conditioned. The muscles aren't there to actually be able to do that. They could be had I run, you know, if I'd been running the last six months and my nutrition was perfect um, and I didn't have the gut that I did like this, this is conceivably in the realm of reality, but my body yeah. is not uh, physically fit enough. That's you're, you're kind of making that analogy to mental fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So same thing. Um, like life will just throw a curveball at you. Somebody might just drop an ultra marathon on you, whatever that might be like somebody quitting uh, a relationship blowing up in your face, whatever that is. And through mental fitness, you can cultivate that capacity to handle that without as much stress or anxiety or negative emotions. Right. So this, this like podcast is like obviously very much for contractors, uh, home service businesses, entrepreneurs. Um, let's just like go through the exercise of coming up with a few examples, like where might mental fitness apply to their world? Totally. Um, what causes stress for contractors? Let's like, we can make a massive list there. I'm sure. Um, employees quitting employees showing up late, um, <clears throat> customers being overly difficult and neurotic people, not paying their bills, supply chain issues, weather events, uh, like and the, the delays caused by them, equipment breaking down financial strain, um, checking your numbers from last quarter and they're way off from what you thought they were going to be. Um, 
your spouse or kids being like, why is this, why is my dad or my mom gone all the time? So there's like a family, like personal life strain. There's like the physical, there's like the physical challenge of it as well. Like this is extremely drain. You're in your, uh, you're on job sites. You're moving around town all the time. You're in your vehicle a lot. You're dealing with high stress situations. There's like a physical toll. I mean, the list goes on. Like there's a lot, a lot, a lot of moments where it's endless. Yeah. It's endless. It's probably like the tip of the iceberg that I just rattled off. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's endless. And that's where mental fitness comes in. It's like, how do you start to approach those things differently? So you're not sucked into this negative vortex with it. Okay. So we're going to get, well, I think we're going to talk a little bit about like the, like the negative vortex. We're going to talk about saboteurs. We're going to talk about practical steps to, to sort of overcome this stuff and, and work through it more productively. But let's just, before we do unpack a little bit, the, um, the psychology that underpins this stuff is pretty well, uh, researched. This isn't just like, you know, we didn't just make this up today. Tell us a little bit about like the science that underpins this. Yeah. So this isn't something I cooked up in the backyard. Um, I'm a a certified coach with positive intelligence, which is promotes mental fitness. Um, So there's a ton of research behind this and it stems from breakthroughs in neuroscience, in performance science, cognitive behavioral science, um, positive psychology, and it kind of fits in the center of all of that. So Mm -hmm. it's taking all these different aspects from those places. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love about it and what really drew me in initially was the simplicity of it and the application of it. Mm-hmm. So at the heart of some of the research was factor analysis uh, or root factor analysis. Have you, or what? Sorry. Don't know what it is. Okay, perfect. Um, so an easy example of root factor analysis is at the heart of thousands of colors. There's three colors, right? Red, blue, and yellow. So you're taking all this complexity, all this like stuff, you're radically simplifying it into its root form. Um, and making it really simple. Mm-hmm. So that's essentially what they've done for personal and professional development mm-hmm. and mental fitness is they've taken all of these things in all these different areas and distilled it down into its simplest root form. Right. So it's very like, um, we're talking about like the essence of a thing. We're talking about like molecular level stuff here. It's very, very deeply rooted. And for that reason, I, I, I would assume that this is quite universal. That it can apply to a lot of different things. So like we're talking about this in the context of, Hey, you run a stressful contracting business, but mental fitness could apply to a, like a, a world-class athlete, a politician, a parenting, a parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Relationship counseling, all that stuff. Going back to the fitness analogy for a second. The other thing that I think, um, just talk in talking to you about this offline, that's cool, but this is like, like your physical fitness, you can really move the needle on this. This isn't just like an idea that sounds cool. There's practice, there's training, there's, there's like you go to the gym and you lift weights and you do a lot of reps. There's a whole bunch of like reps that you can do mentally to actually build up your fortitude for this as well. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a proactive approach to how do you handle challenges? Often we see them as something that happened to us and we're just reacting to it. But this is, this was what was new for me when I stepped into this space is you can actually cultivate that proactively so that that next time something comes at you, you're a lot better equipped to handle it. Right. And so the work that you do, it, I mean, is it too simplistic to be like a, you're like a personal trainer for the brain? Like if, if, if a, if a personal trainer is helping someone get physically stronger, get physically healthier through nutrition, through resistance exercises, you're kind of with the work that you do is very much working on someone's mental fitness, fitness and building that muscle up to use that analogy. Yeah. 
And I, I use it in parallel with coaching. So one of the things I found with coaching was in between sessions, people would fall back into the same patterns. Mm-hmm. We'd have a great coaching session. Um, we'd be learning about something. There'd be some insights. And then people would kind of get sucked into these same patterns. Right. Um, and that's what really got me excited about mental fitness is it's starting to look at some of those patterns that are showing up in between mm-hmm. and addressing them and increasing the awareness around it. And one of the really core fundamentals of mental fitness compared to a lot of the other things out there is it's focused on muscle, mental muscle, not just insight. What does that mean, insight? So we, we go to school, we do workshops, we read books, we listen to podcasts, no offense. Uh, there's a lot of intellectual understanding, conceptual understanding right, right. of something. Yeah. And we have these aha moments. Right. It's like, great. And it feels good. Yeah. I I'm get, so smart. I got I, it. I understand this right. now. Um, but say, for example, for, for conflict, you, you have a customer coming at you. All of a sudden, everything you learned about conflict it's gone. And conflict management, it's like, it's out the window. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you start to build new neural pathways and mental muscles so that the next time that happens, you're better equipped mm-hmm. and it's more, um, it's at your fingertips rather than like trying to stop and like, okay, what was that thing? And it's like, you don't have a chance to do that. So that's what you mean by muscle versus insight. Muscle is your ability to actually do the thing, to work through the difficult situation. Insight is the ability to like conceptually understand it. And I kind of get it theoretically, but when you push comes to shove, when you are put in that actual scenario, not the theoretical thought pattern, your capacity to deal with it is pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Pretty bad. And I've seen like you, I've just to sort of share from my own experience. Like I've seen, um, like with a lot of the members we work with, even like some people are like super high stress capacity. They are like Tom Brady at the end of a football game, just like locked in cool in the pocket. And they might be feeling something on the inside, but it doesn't really show on the outside. And they just work through things very methodically, very peacefully. And there's other people that get pretty derailed and they ride a really steep transition transition curve. Their, their emotional world is a bit more of a roller coaster. So I don't know if it's like those, you know, the sagely ones, the Tom Brady type people have this built out organically. Maybe they just came out that way. Maybe they've worked with you, but there's definitely something noticeable where you can see like, okay, this person is pretty, pretty good under fire. This one's kind of losing it a little bit. Right. Yeah. So, um, Let's, let's kind of, uh, there's this term that I want to introduce to our listeners, which is, which is a saboteur. And this is a really fundamental part of, of mental intelligence. What is a saboteur? Give us a definition. Tell us a bit about, I'm uh, not sure how many there are, but there's, there, there's a few of them. Uh, let's, let's go through this sort of saboteur idea a little bit. Yeah. So uh, we'll kind of first quick overview. So with mental fitness, the first piece is you need to be aware that you're self-sabotaging. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we talk about saboteurs, essentially it's the voices in your head that generate negative emotions about how you're viewing or handling your challenges that are, that are coming at you. Right. Um, and more often than not, they're just automated patterns. They're, you're on automatic pilot when they kick in. So you don't even really notice it. When a stressful situation, when a stressful situation arises, a lot of the times we enter into autopilot is what you're saying. There's like a well-worn neural path that is a survival instinct of sorts that we just kind of go to by default. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of them, like they have been successful. They've helped us navigate situations in the past. Um, The key difference is the way we currently use that pathway creates negative emotions. 
stress, anxiety, guilt, shame, fear, anger, whatever it is. Um, so when we look at it, they're, um, you're focusing on the awareness of how that pattern's showing up and then the downstream effects of once that actually kicks in. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'm going to walk through them. Um, but before we do that, I just want to quickly highlight kind of left brain, right brain, how this fits together. Sure. So um, your left brain, like an oversimplistic view of your brain, the left brain is associated with your brain stem, your limbic system, your left analytical brain, and it's more associated with um, survival. Mm-hmm. And that's a different region of your brain from the right brain. So that's mm-hmm. more um, empathic. It's uh, This is the right brain now. We're talking about the right brain. Yeah. So it's your middle prefrontal cortex uh, empathic circuitry. Mm-hmm. So there's two different sections that will light up depending on how you're thinking and what you're feeling. Right. The left brain, the survival, survival region, is going to motivate you with those negative emotions. I see that that part of your brain is like associated with these saboteurs. Yeah. I am we're simplifying it, but that's sort of where you go. If you fall into your default autopilot mode yeah. is left brain. Yeah. Okay. Right brain motivates through positive emotions. So curiosity, empathy, clear laser focused action, um, a lot more creativity. Mm-hmm. The, the left brain is great. It can get you success. It can actually get you some results but it's going to cost you happiness. It's going to cost you your peace of mind. It's mm-hmm. bringing all those negative emotions with it. Right. Right brain, different story. You actually, you don't have that same cost. You can actually generate more results because you're not sucked into that survivor region of your brain. I see. Okay. I'm glad, I'm glad you broke that down left versus right. So saboteurs suck you into the left brain. We want to stay in the right brain as much as possible. Yeah. Easiest way to probably remember it is left brain, survivor, Darth Vader, Fear, anger, guilt, okay. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Right brain, Jedi, a lot more clear, laser focused, empathic, calm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. People like Star Wars. I think that's a good yeah. way to remember it. Yeah. Left brain, Darth Vader, right brain, Obi Wan. Yeah, Obi Wan yeah. Kenobi. Yeah. Okay, cool. Can we do the saboteurs? Yeah. Okay. What? Who, who are the saboteurs? So we've got the judge. The judge is the character that shows up when you're judging yourself, you're beating yourself up, uh, you make a mistake. You're, you're pretty brutal to yourself. It's the thing that keeps you up at night. It's like, oh, you screwed up. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. Why didn't you do this? Um, so you can judge yourself. That's one mode. Mm-hmm. You can judge others. Mm-hmm. Um, so situations. You can judge situations. as And it's generally like this situation or this person or this thing is bad. This is wrong. And it just, and that kind of triggers these other saboteurs, these accomplice saboteurs, which are archetypal ways that we move through stressful situations. But, but the judge is like the, the, the master saboteur. Like this, this is sort of like the one that ushers in the rest of them every time. Like I was, pardon my French, but the, the judge saboteur is like, this is fucked. Yeah. This situation is fucked. Yeah. Like this is not good. Yeah. We are in big trouble. My team is in trouble. I'm in trouble. My family's in trouble. This job is going sideways. This is fucked. Yeah. That's to, to, to simplify it a little use a swear word. That's, that's the judge speaking. Yeah. Okay. It, so it instigates everything. Okay. What happens after that? So I'm going to run through a list of them. Yeah. I love that. There's I'd nine, that. there's nine others. And I'm actually going to go through some definitions of them. And then we'll loop back on a couple. Um, so the first one's the avoider and this type of person focuses on the positive and the pleasant in an extreme way and avoids difficult and unpleasant co- tasks and conflicts. Mm-hmm. I know some avoiders. The controller 
The controller has an anxiety-based need to take charge and control situations and people's actions to one's own will. Mm-hmm. High anxiety and impatience when that's not possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hyperachiever, highly dependent on constant performance and achievement for self-respect and validation. So very focused on external success, um, tends to have unsustainable workaholic tendencies and can get out of touch with what's going on around them. Uh, Hyper-rational has an intense and exclusive focus on the rational processing of everything, including relationships, Mm -hmm. Um, can actually be perceived as cold or intellectually arrogant. Right. They're like always going to logic. They don't care about your feelings. They're like, but this is how it's meant to be. Or like, this is how, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I got it. That's hyper-rational. And uh, yeah, people are not rational. People are emotional. They think they are. Relationships are emotional. Um, so sometimes, yeah, you need to step back from that hypervigilant, uh, continuous intense, anxiety around dangers and what could go wrong. Worry wart. Exactly. Yeah. Very vigilant, always looking out for danger. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pleaser. Uh, that's one of my top ones, uh, indirectly tries to gain acceptance and affection by helping, pleasing, rescuing, really putting themselves in harm's way and like helping others as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, which can lead to burnout and resentment because people aren't reciprocating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Restless, um, very restless. They're constantly on the move, seeking greater excitement and rarely at peace or present with the current activity. So multitasking is a good yeah. sign of this. My mom is that. My mom's restless. That's I'll, that's for sure her, her saboteur. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a common one for a lot of entrepreneurs. I and mean, we might double back on that one. Her, her resting state is to be busy all the totally. time. Yeah. Like that's yeah. her natural sort of place. It's just like, I'm doing a hundred things today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, stickler um, kind of sounds like it is perfectionism. Um, yeah. So very, very focused on the nth degree, having everything just in order. So, so just, yeah, those are, uh, thank you for those definitions. These, these to be clear, like these are archetypal characters. These are caricaturized versions of our brain patterns and we've given them names and descriptions to be able to sort of identify and label them and and organize them a little bit but what we're talking about is um, we've given them these sort of catchy titles this is the underlying mental pattern that creeps in when something isn't going well and we've judged it to be bad this is what comes after some combination of these few yeah. are there so here's a question are there a few of these that like you work with a ton of entrepreneurs tons of business leaders on this stuff every day are there a few of these that you see more commonly with business owners with with contractors yeah yeah what are they absolutely um some of the top ones that i've seen across the board for entrepreneurs uh the controller is a high one mm-hmm. uh hyper achiever the, the restless is up there too. And there's, there's, so I want to, I want to be clear. There's some underlying strengths with all of these. Yeah. There's some underlying things that are, are beneficial, but what happens is we take it to the nth degree and it actually creates a, a worse result than it would be otherwise. How, how do, how, how do they make things worse? Like I, let's use me as an example. Okay. Like I've got, I've got my test here, which by the way, actually just, I'll say this now, if you're listening to this and you want to do your own saboteur assessment, there's a really, really cool tool that Fife is giving to us because he's nice and it's going to be available at the link in the description of this episode. You can click it. It's going to be, a, it's a couple page long, like intro to mental fitness type page at the bottom. There is a saboteur assessment link. It's highlighted in blue. You can click 
it and find out your own saboteurs. It's a really, really interesting digital tool that that I've done. And so here's going back to the question. Here's um, I'm a hyper achiever and a controller dominantly. Yeah. So how might my how might my controller tendencies negatively affect me? You say there's some underlying strengths, but it can absolutely get me in trouble. Totally. Absolutely. So um, let's let's identify it. like controlling. You're going to get stuff done. You step in. You assert your dominance. Um, but what happens is because you're stepping in all the time. This is a form. There's can be like micromanaging. Yeah. You're stepping in. You're um, trying to do more than what's needed. Yeah. And one of the ways that this can really backfire, especially for leaders, is you have a team, and the team's going to show initiative. That's great. The controller's like, it's not to the, the right level. And they're going to step in and be like, no, it needs to be this way. You do that over and over and over again. The team's going to stop taking initiative. Now, now you've that controller that was like helping you get results is getting you less results because they're like, well, everything I do, this guy doesn't like. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like, that's shockingly familiar. Yeah. That is scarily familiar. That's exactly what happens. I think I could like, I'm not going to overshare, but like I, I can definitely be hard on people. People can be resentful towards me. I cannot stay in my lane sometimes. I'm like, like this is not, this ain't it. And that does actually, that is good in some instances because the standard is the standard, like I say on other podcasts. Yep. But from an, inter, from an interpersonal thing, that definitely does, has, probably is right now, creating you know interpersonal uh, friction, breakdown, mistrust. And the more important thing is like, it's actually uninspiring. People are less likely to take initiative with that controller trait when it crops up. Yeah. So you're a pleaser. Yeah. What's the negative? What are the negative? What are the oh. negative traits of a pleaser? Yeah, it's great. So uh, I'm a great roommate. <laughs> like people, I get along with people. Um, that's my my natural strength is I connect well with people. I want to help. That's great. Yeah. Where this backfires is I do that way too much, and that puts me in cycles of burnout. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've caught myself on is I'll say yes, I'll say yes. I'm your yes man. I can do that for you. You need it. You need help with that thing. I got you. Um, I'll overextend myself and by not putting the oxygen mask on myself and setting boundaries mm-hmm. that takes away from what I'm capable of. Mm-hmm. So we have like, I don't think we have time to go through every single like positive and negative trait of all of all nine of these. But again, if you are interested in learning about your saboteurs, I would really encourage you to go take this test. It's very informative. The actual questionnaire you fill is pretty fun and engaging and it's going to give you some, like I said a second ago, shockingly accurate results. Um, so, so please go do that. I have a question though about negative emotions. Mm-hmm. So you said like, <clears throat> you know, these things can have some benefit, but by and large, these things are going to get in your way more than not in the, over the long run. I personally, and this is like Benji's sort of take on this. Like I personally kind of like negative emotions. Like I, I, and I actually rant about this all the time. We have a beer later, like, oh, the world today is too, world today is too soft. Everyone's like too concerned about peace and love and, and feeling at one with the universe. And I'm like, be gritty, like be angry, like be, you know, self-criticism isn't the worst thing. You know, a little jealousy can like motivate you to get your ass in gear. Um, you know, these are not necessarily bad things all the time. And I personally like use them to ask more of myself and do better in the world. Like that's, that's my actual lived experience. So my question is like, are you saying that all negative emotions are inherently bad? No. Okay. 
Um, so, so the answer to the question and look at it differently is pain bad. If your hand hits a hot stove, mm-hmm. is pain a bad thing? Well, no, like for it, uh, no, because I want to take my hand off the stove. Yeah. It's going to be burnt off in like 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So that like instantly you're just like, oh, that's bad pain. Take my hand off the hot stove. Yeah. Yeah. So same thing with negative emotions. It's great as a signal. So you feel that negative emotion and that's a signal to be like, something's off, something's not quite right. I need to explore this stress, anxiety, whatever it is. It's a signal. Mm -hmm. The difference is we keep our hand on the hot stove emotionally. I probably keep my hand on the hot stove. We all do. Yeah. We all do. It's like somebody says something to you and it kind of just irks you. You're sitting with it. Maybe it's two minutes. I'll just like, I'll just like, no, man. Maybe it's I, two hours. Bro, it's like, it's like two, it's two hours minimum. Sometimes it's a couple of days. Like I will just sit on it yeah. and stew on it forever. Yeah. So, and, th- and that's where you get sucked in. And like, that's just a simple thing. Somebody says something and it irks you. But it's like, if something goes wrong in your business, you can go down a vortex uh-huh. and you're just stuck in this saboteur land, this survival land. And the more you're the busy, you are, the more burnt out you are, the more you lean into these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you can get really sucked down the rabbit hole. So it's, it's useful as a signal. In other words, it's good to sort of trigger you to look at something, to pay attention to something, to change something in your environment. But beyond that, it's actually, it's actually not serving much of a purpose. It, sh- it might show you something that needs your attention, yeah. but from there, you kind of need to use a different part of your brain. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Okay, cool. So <clears throat> what I'm wondering is like, I-, I said this right off the top, stressful situations are like left, right, and center for contractors. We could come up with a list of a hundred things that honestly might happen in the average business owner's week. And they probably are facing this stuff all the time. knowing what we know about saboteurs and what they can do to us, what practical steps can be taken to keep our saboteurs at bay and work through situations with a more positive frame of mind, uh, which is ultimately what mental fitness is is all about. So what can we actually do about this? I'm looking for practical advice. Yeah. So before we go through like an actual step-by-step flow, I'll just highlight one of the other key aspects. So the first was the saboteur awareness Mm -hmm. and interception. We've highlighting these characters, essentially you're creating like a little wanted poster. It's like, oh, I see them everywhere now. It's like, oh, I see the, I see the controller showing up. I see the pleaser. Mm-hmm. So you see them, your awareness is growing. The second thing is like, okay, what do you do actually, actually have, once you see it? Right. And, and that's where some of the mental fitness exercises come in. And at the heart of it is the, the self-command muscle. So it's kind of at the root of what you see in meditation and mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that root factor analysis where it's, everything's been distilled down into its root simplest form mm-hmm. is mental fitness reps. Mm-hmm. Um, a really simple example is focusing on your fingertips with so much focus that you're paying attention to the fingertip ridges. Like you can feel those actual like, tiny little, yeah. uh, it might feel like friction, but you're right. like, you're so focused on it. That's all that really like exists for that minute or that, that 10 seconds. So you're, lo- you're doing this little exercise in the middle of a stressful situation. Yeah. I've done it on the podcast. I don't know if anybody caught it. I was, I did Just a couple. Doing this. Yeah. How long? Yeah. 10 seconds? 10 seconds at a time. If you can do like 30, 30 seconds a minute, but that little tiny break where you're hyper-focused on a sensation, it might be touch, it might be sound, it might be your breath, but that hyper-focus for a second 
diverts your brain off that saboteur survival wiring and it gives you a pause and it, it starts to activate that other side of your brain. That so you, Jedi go from side. Left to, you go from left to right Darth side. Darth Vader to, to Jedi. Just by doing that. And it's it, very minor, but you can see it in fMRI imaging. They scan this? Yeah. You know what's interesting is like um, meditation is very popular these days. You know what you can't do when your customer is yelling at you? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, hold, hold on a sec. I'm going to go like meditate go. in my car for half an hour. And I'll be back. Yeah. I know you're like really pissed off about this thing, but I'm going to go like, you know, that would not work. Whereas this is like the, 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 the micro version of this is like it at its core, uh, at its essence, this is, you're doing something similar. It may not be as good as an hour long meditation session on the call map, but you're yeah. getting some of the, some of the same juice from it. Yeah. And it yeah. might be like me. I'm staring at you. I'm looking at the color of your eyes. So a customer's yelling at you instead of like getting totally hijacked and stressed. It's like, what's the color of their eyes? What's going on for them? And you just, like, you're hyper-focused on one thing and it slows you down just, just a tiny little bit um, and gives you enough pause so you actually have a decision point instead of, instead of going into automatic pilot mode. Is that what you mean when you say self-command muscle? Yeah. It's, like, it's the ability to be like, oh, something's happening here. I, hey, there's the wanted poster for the controller. Here he is showing up. I better like, I better do, I better like watch this guy because he's yeah. going to really, he's going to fuck me here. Yeah. Literally like do, doing an exercise like this, feeling the, the tips of your, your, your fingertips, the ridges of your fingertips, rather some deep breaths, focusing on a single point on that person is enough to, to catch that. Yeah. Interesting. And over time, like going to the gym, you're practicing this throughout your day. You're building it up over time and your capacity grows. So you have faster access to it. So in the heat of the moment, you can shift faster. Mm. So you're building those muscles so that in the heat of the moment, those stressful things, you can catch it faster, you can shift faster. And that's the proactive approach to some of these things where before it was just insight. That's the muscle part. That's the muscle part. Like I find that, I find that really, um, kind of a, a, a frustrating thing about the modern like thoughtosphere is is everyone has ideas and everyone has books and everyone has podcasts like just like us like we're part of the problem you know what I mean um but very rarely do people talk about like the uh, it's it's very surface level we talk about concepts we talk about frameworks we get some good graphic design we put it on a slide you string together a few words and sound articulate and everyone claps and thinks you're a genius but the actual like take home value for those watchers or listeners or readers or whatever is pretty limited. It feels good. It gives you a boost in this. You're like, Oh, that's really interesting. But then the actual building of the muscle part is in there. And that's something that I really like. I really appreciate about this practice is as much more focused on the um, capacity than it is about just like understanding that's like muscle versus insight. And you need both. You Not, do. Yeah, you, you need, do. But most like, people just like the insight. Yeah. They're like, oh, muscle, forget it. Yeah. It's too heavy. I don't want to lift the weight. 20% insight, 80% muscle. Yeah. Same with, wor- same with working out, running a marathon, whatever it is. You need to understand some of the do's and don'ts and conceptual understanding. And then you have to put it into practice, which is the hard part. Anything else about like the practical steps where you're saying... Um you're saying there's, there's aware, there's like a, there's like saboteur awareness. You kind of, you, you recognize them, you catch them. There's the PQ rep where you're kind of stopping deep breaths, ridges of your fingertips, fixed point. Um, anything else that you do as far as practical steps? Yeah. So like the final one, um, that we'll probably talk about today is okay. then what, 
Yeah, that's that's right? what I'm asking. Like, I can like sit here and rub my fingertips yeah, all that, day. Well, like the problem do, is still sitting right in front of where me. Where do I go? Yeah. Um, and so going back to the judge saboteur, the judge is like, this is bad. This the situation is screwed. This person's wrong. Like I'm upset. Yeah. And we buy into that. Totally. We buy I, into I'm, dude, I'm hook, line, and sinker yeah. every single time. So one of the ways to shift is once you've shifted just a little bit, you've gotten off that survival mode, you're out of Darth Vader mode a little bit. Um, what's the gift and opportunity? And for a lot of people, when they first think about this, it's like, there's no gift. There's no, there's, why would I even look at this? This is just bad. And the point is not that you're going to find some amazing, enlightening gift out of a situation where like your employee just quits or you have a customer yelling at you for something. The point is you're keeping the door open of some possibility that puts you at choice with how you want to see the situation. So I hear that and I'm like, somebody is going to listen to this and go like, Fife, what are you talking about? Like, this is a, this is a bad situation. Yeah. My crew just broke a window. It's an expensive window. The customer was already pissed off about some other quality issues early on in the job. There's no gift here. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah. You're saying that you don't, you're not actually looking for a wrapped up gift with a bow on top. It's more about like the possibility of there being one. Yeah. And what does that do for you? Like what's, what, what does that sort of create for you in the moment? How does it make it better? Yeah. So it does a couple things. It's shifting you out of that linear trap of the saboteur brain, that survivor region. Mm-hmm. It's shifting. That's another way to shift you a bit more into more creativity more empathy, more, um, more compassion. A lot of the time, um, it's also a way to step into a clear focused action. So by, by looking for the gift and opportunity, your focus and your perspective shifts on mm-hmm. the whole situation. So the, the example of somebody breaking a window, mm-hmm. what's a potential gift and opportunity. And this is where like, it, you have to slow down and be like, okay, this is annoying, but like, what could be an opportunity for me and my business? I'm going to learn more about windows. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, maybe, maybe there's a guy I, on your crew that doesn't know how to fit, put a window in. Right. Yet. Or um, I'm going to, I'm going to like review my, my production SOP for this part of the job and figure out how this happened in the first place and what's missing from there. Uh, so that, you know, we're not in this situation again. And like, and maybe the procedure gets built out with more detail and improves. Like that's like, that is theoretically a gift that could come from this, this bad situation. Yeah. Maybe it highlights that that guy's not right for the role and he needs, he needs not to be on the team. Like there's, there's, there's like that. Sometimes that's a gift. um, And it's hard to see at that time, right? Like in the heat of the moment, usually we find the gift or we see something, but it might be like a week later, Mm -hmm. two weeks later. Time is a great way to see gifts in hindsight, mm-hmm. the point of this practice is we're, we're leveraging that muscle right away. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where you get more creative. And there's kind of three different ways. So it's like the gift of knowledge. So like, like you said, we have new knowledge about how to install a window. Maybe there's a new process around it mm-hmm. for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's a gift of inspired action. So because we broke the window, it's an opportunity to fix something else around the window frame and make the customer really happy. Mm. Right. That actually happens a lot. Sometimes you like, you know, sometimes you, you screw a job up um, and it's actually like in the way that you fix it 
that you build like a referrer forever. Like this person yeah. is like, yeah, we had some hiccups in the middle, but they fixed it all and they were really decent and really communicative and actually love this company. And even though there was this minor interruption in the middle, yeah, they're really great. And I recommend, I recommend them to my friends all the time. I see that it happens all the time. So instead of looking at hiccups on your job where a customer is unhappy as this is a bad thing, now we're reframing that whole situation as every one of those situations is now a gift to deepen that relationship and earn their trust even more. Can we do another example? Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot here. I'm going to make you work. Okay. Um, I just jotted a couple notes down. What was I thinking? Right. Okay. So, okay. You have a customer. This has happened to me. And this is why I, this is why I want your, your, your take on this. And I want you to think of this from my perspective as like the controller hyper achiever. Right. So you have a customer and you're getting close to the end of the project. <clears throat> they've been nice. They've been sweet the whole time. Let's say it's like a two week job, you know, day five, they're bringing your crew iced tea you know, a few days ago, they brought out warm muffins. They're sweet. They're bubbly. You have no reason to assume that anything is wrong. And you're coming into like the final day, you're about to do a walk around. And like the night before you're expecting to collect a check, you get an email from, let's call her Mrs. Smith. That is like a freaking novel saying, these are all the things wrong with the project. We will not be paying for this job. And I'm like literally seeing red frothing at the mouth because I'm like, you know, how could you be so two-faced? This is so wrong. The project's great. What are you talking about? That's a situation that I've been in. I'm sure that's a situation that our listeners have been in. Um, I've been there. Yeah, you've been there. (laughs) How might, how might like the controller come in and make that worse? And, and, and how, and then, and then what would be like the potential gifts in that situation? Yeah, so uh, controller will, will try and control the situation. Probably a lot more um, assertive and defensive and might go on the attack with that customer. Yeah, like, no, the job's done. Like, none of these, none of these issues that you're talking about are real. Like, now, yeah. And now your conflict level went from here right. through the roof. Like, there's way more tension, mm-hmm. way more conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, how else might that show up? Um, you're, you're ripping on your guys. Right. You're controlling your guys. You guys didn't do this, you didn't do that. Now your culture's on the rocks a little bit, maybe some guy that was close to quitting now quits. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of impacts on relationships when you're trying to control everything Mm -hmm. and and controlling people. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and from there it's like, okay, again, what's a potential gift? I don't know. Like this, this sucks. Like this is not a good situation. It's a $14,000 project. Yeah. I really, really need this check. Uh, like the, you know, our, our production seasons one to an end in the next few weeks. Like this is not a good situation. Yeah. You know, that, that would be, that would be my answer to that question. Like I would not be able to find it. Yeah. And where I would go is what's the gift of building a closer relationship with this person? What's actually going on for them? Right. And so one of the gifts is you're building your capacity for empathy and your emotional intelligence to work with somebody who's difficult. Mm. because you know that's not going to be the last time there's a difficult person you're working with. No, there's going to be lots There's going to be a lot of them. So imagine the payoff in the future if you're able to start building your mental fitness and your capacity to see something like this as an opportunity to train your team. Mm. Hey guys, what happened on this job that we could have done differently? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Maybe if we had started talking to the, the customer five days before we're finished and had that list five days before. Yeah. Don't trust people just because they bring you muffins. This means nothing. Yeah. You might get totally screwed by them in a few days. Yeah. So, but the point is like, I, like I want to be clear, right? Like do you, 
You're not saying that these things are like, oh my God, this is the best gift of my life. And I'm so glad I had it. Like that's kind of cheesy. And I don't want listeners to take that away from this. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is the having the perspective to pursue looking for that gift, whether it's there or not, sometimes it's going to be pretty obvious. And sometimes maybe it's harder to find. It's the looking for that that allows you to shift from left brain to right avoid your saboteurs and actually like kind of come to the other side of this much faster. That's the point, not the gift itself. Yeah. Yeah. So to be clear, yeah, we're not condoning what's happened. No, there's bad things that happen. Yeah. We're not dismissing the pain and the suffering and like some of the stress that it's caused. We're saying now you're at choice. How do you want to move forward? Mm -hmm. You can stay in that world. You can stay in stress. You can stay in anxiety. You can stay in anger. That's up to you. Mm -hmm. What I'm hoping for listeners and for people is, you're now at choice. You can build that capacity so you're not in that space. You can build better relationships. You can build better teams. You can have less stress. You don't mm-hmm. take that stuff home with you. Mm-hmm. It's uh, like I like when you say it's it's you're at choice. You've, you've put the ball back in your court rather than being totally under the command of your saboteurs. You have that self-command muscle and it's actually you in the driver's seat. So broadly speaking, like I just, you can rattle them off for me. Like what, what sorts of benefits are the main, we've got done a couple examples. We've kind of zoomed in on this framework a little bit. I'm just talking about like everyday life of a contractor who listens to this, maybe connects with you, you know, does some work with you and really get some of these muscles built up and this insight installed. And they start, they start walking the walk, so to speak. What sorts of benefits might they expect uh, if they if they deploy this approach long term? Yeah, great question. Um, so things that I've seen with my clients and just in my own journey as I've built my own mental fitness, um, emotional intelligence goes through the roof. So a lot better able to communicate with people, understand where they're coming from, navigate tough conflict. Mm-hmm. So a healthy conflict is a great one. Um, improve performance and productivity. Mm-hmm. So some of the saboteurs, like the avoider, you avoid unpleasant tasks. So how do you start to navigate that better? So you're getting those important things done. Um, you're, you're working with your team better. So your team's actually seeing how they're self-sabotaging. Right. Now you've improved the whole capacity of your team. Um, relationships is a huge one. So a lot of people come in and work with me because they want to focus on their business. But there is a ton of stuff that comes in and how it impacts the family. Right. Um, which impacts your work as well. Yeah. So your, your spouse. Yeah. Relationships there and how the stress in the business might be impacting them. Yeah. Um, it, it, so there's, there's some actual like practical results that you've just described. It also, I'm assuming, feels better. You're, you're less stressed. Your mental health, which does matter a lot. The way you feel about your, your yeah. work and your waking existence and what you're doing here on this planet does matter a great deal. That's also... A little more peaceful, a little more enjoyable. It's easier to kind of sink into the pleasant part of, of what you're doing with, with your life and your business. Yeah, you're more present. There's more flow. There's more ease. It's just more fun too. Yeah, yeah. it's so cool, man. I, I love it. I, I like some of my favorite, I, what I really like about this whole thing or like how well characterized these are something as simple as like Darth Vader versus Jedi. It's like very memorable, you know, hyperachiever, controller, pleaser, avoider, stickler, all of these um, saboteurs. Uh, if just one more time, guys, 
go go to go do the assessment find out which what yours are there's going to be a, a few pages of insight on on each on each one of these and what to do about it um so i'd highly recommend checking that out Fife, if people want to find out more about you, the work you do, if they want to connect with you directly, how might they go about finding you? Yeah. So easiest place to actually contact me, uh, LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on there. You can also reach out to my website. So uplifementalfitness.com. Cool. I really want to thank you for being here. This is great. I appreciate it, man. It's been fun. Thanks so much for watching this episode of Contractor Evolution. If you've already subscribed to our channel, consider sharing this episode with another contractor who you think needs to hear it. Paint Ed podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and is made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPaintEd.org.